0: of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Kristen Hammett. She is the Director of Ministry Services at The Signatory. Kristen, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Zach.
0: Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about The Signatory, uh, maybe how it got started and what you guys have been doing recently that you are particularly excited about?
1: Well, thanks for asking, Zach. The signatory exists to inspire and facilitate revolutionary generosity. We serve individuals and families, advisors, and ministries. And our vision is really to help write the last check to the last mission group, to send the last missionary to the last unreached people group so the last person can hear the gospel. We are in this for the long haul. We want to see that last check written to solve the biggest problems that we face in the world today. We started 20 years ago uh, as a community Christian foundation in Kansas City, and we have had a couple of different names, um, but we, over the last couple of years, have landed back at the signatory and continue with that same mission and that same vision, and that is to serve families and ministries to solve the biggest problems.
0: Very cool. So can you explain what you mean by revolutionary generosity Uh, for us?
1: Absolutely. Um, So we, as a Christian foundation, uh, we work with families to help them give more generously out of their resources to support the causes that they care most about. And uh, we specialize really in working with those high net worth families and I'm helping them leverage their assets and creative ways to give so they can impact those causes in a more significant way than just giving out of the checkbook.
0: Okay. So your primary focus is, is the major donor sector.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, We certainly have some insight into a variety of different areas and some opinions, but our specialty is in that major donor space.
0: Very cool. Now, was that an intentionality from the get-go with with the start of the signature, or is that kind of more, have you guys morphed into that niche?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that really at the beginning there was this desire to make a more significant impact, and to that end, it was realized there was really some unmet potential with um, those higher net worth individuals being able to give more significantly to really. Um, give more and pay less in tax. So redirecting some of their wealth um, away from tax and more into some of the ministries that they care most about.
0: Okay. So your primary focus and all of your messaging and marketing and, and the work that you guys are doing is centered around the donor, the advisor, a family with a high net worth. Are you guys doing anything on the ministry side where you're coaching organizational leaders in in what it looks like to uh, pursue major donors? Or is your focus only on the donor side?
1: That's a great question. Um, Generally, when you think about a foundation, you think about um, serving that donor. And in fact, that is what a lot of our organization is focused on. But at our foundation, at the very beginning of this um, organization, there was a Group of board members sitting around the table, and 50% of them were focused on serving the donor and the family, and 50% of them were focused on serving the ministry. And so that is the space I sit in as director of ministry services. I have the opportunity to come alongside ministries really to help equip them in development efforts and partner in major donor conversations. So I am very focused on serving ministries well and helping them interact with uh, major donors in a more efficient and um, more productive way.
0: Very cool. Uh, Offline, you shared a topic I'm really excited to share with our audience, and that is the topic of um, the Ministry of Donor Development. Uh, Can you walk us through what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Let me start by uh, maybe giving you a little bit of my perspective as it relates to my own personal experience. So um, I was in corporate sales in my previous um, world. And then I took some time to stay at home with my kids and then decided to jump back into work, but wanted to do something really meaningful and, and a cause that I cared a lot about. So I Started volunteering and began working into a director of development role for a regional ministry here in Kansas City. And I learned pretty quickly um, that there are a lot of differences between sales and fundraising or development. And um, it was really kind of a six or eight year journey for me to better understand this concept of the ministry of donor development. So mm-hmm. um, you know, donor development is a nice way of saying fundraising for most most of us. Um, and in the secular environment, it certainly seems to be more of a sales type environment. You're making a good case for a donation. You want to make sure that you get in front of some key people before others do. But at least in my experience and what I try to share with other ministry leaders is in a faith based environment, it isn't that way. It's not spiritual sales. It really is ministry. And it's based on the concept that God is sovereign and he owns it all. And I, kind of, my core belief is really that he has blessed his people with resources and he's blessed others with this ability and passion to do the work. And as ministry development uh, workers, as a executive director or a development officer, we sit in this unique space where we are able to be the connection point between God's resources and his work. And that's what I mean by ministry in this development role. Because when you're speaking with someone um, about their resources, we know scripturally, you're speaking to their heart. Because where uh, their treasure goes their heart goes also. So we have this unique opportunity to minister to donors. Another piece I'd like to share just real quickly is this is really biblical. You know, this is not um, a secular idea that we made fit into the ministry world. If we look in Exodus, um, I like to say that Moses was the first development director and God asked him to go to the Israelites and raise the resources necessary to build the tabernacle. So he was our first director of development and we have continued in that model since that time.
0: That's really cool. So this idea that we can uh, invite people into investment in the kingdom and, and kind of foster that investment uh, in your mind is in the hands of executive directors and those that are seeking the funds of those donors.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of my um, core learnings when I was in that development uh, role for a ministry here locally was that I was doing ministry just as much as the folks involved in the work who were interfacing with clients. And Mm -hmm. that's really an important, it was an important light bulb moment for me. And I hope that uh, those who might listen to this, would understand that and embrace that as their role they are ministering to donors and confidently offering them an opportunity to join in the work that god is doing through their organizations
0: yeah it's an inv- it's an invitation into like you can invest in your retirement or you can invest in the kingdom and we know that I mean scripturally based even th- th- this investment in the kingdom is far. Uh, has far greater rewards than any investment in our long-term um, work here on earth. So right. yeah, now, that's uh go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. And I also think along those same lines that we have to really view this as God is the one who owns it all. Um, he mm-hmm. owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if I can confidently be, secure in that belief and trust, then I know when I do interface with a donor, I don't have a scarcity mentality about um, getting into that person's giving plan. I instead can approach that conversation with a ministry mindset and, like you just said, offer them an opportunity to invest, invite them to invest in the work God is doing. And if it's not a cause they get excited about, that's okay. And I think that might be a big hurdle for a lot of ministry leaders and development folks is we think that we need to convince this donor that the work that's happening in our ministry is worth supporting. Well, we know that. We know that we have organizations all across the country, all across the world doing amazing work. It's not so much convincing someone that this is a worthy place to invest, as it is discovering if this is a place that they have a burden, if this is a cause that God has put um, a a pain point or um, an excitement in them for Mm -hmm. the cause. And sometimes you're going to find a match and sometimes you won't. And and we truly trust that God's the provider we can hold that pretty open handed and not be so focused on that donor investing in our work.
0: All right. Now, do you find working with ministries that a majority of ministry leaders or executives are um, coming at fundraising with that uh, like beggar mentality? Or do you find that a lot of them do come with the a right mindset around fundraising and it's just a matter of, um, coaching and teaching and, and leading and what it looks like to go out and get in front of, for you guys specifically, major donors.
1: Yeah. I think that um, the scarcity versus abundance mentality is probably the number one hurdle that mid-size and small-size ministries face. I think we all feel like there is a finite number of resources, regardless of mm-hmm. what we know in our hearts Uh, or we know the scripture teaches, we feel like we have a finite number of contacts. And so it is our job to make sure that we um, get in front of those donors and, or those prospects and make our case. And I don't think that's, that part of it is not completely wrong. The part that's misdirected or misguided is that scarcity idea. Um, So I think that's the biggest hurdle that we have to get over in, in ministry fundraising and ministry development. And so um, I I think that it, it that's a personal journey for that development officer or for the executive director as well. I mean, it's, like I said, one thing to know it or read it. It's another thing to practice it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I worked with a ministry and that was a personal experience that the ministry leader had to go through was hearing it. And then when you have the opportunity to practice it. And in her case, she had an opportunity to sit, to sit down with a donor. They had written a nice size check to the organization. And as she got to know them better, she was asking questions of what are you passionate about? Why are you excited about this work? And a lot of those questions really fell flat. They didn't have a real um, drive or particular passion for that ministry. So she really took a step of faith, taking what she had learned and heard for so many different teachings and trainings And she went and put it into action by saying to that donor, you know, I'd really encourage you to do some exploration about what it is that you get excited about. What cause has God put on your heart that you can really put your whole self into? And that redirected some future giving to another organization. But that is when she felt like she was really doing ministry because then she's plugging that donor into an organization that they can really get excited about.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Being okay with, with not having everybody's funds that you meet with, but pointing them to other organizations that either may be in your own sector or uh, maybe a completely different uh, ministry altogether. So Absolutely. having, having the belief that my um, yeah, back to that scarcity Uh, abundance mentality. Like there is enough and for all organizations, if they're truly called by the Lord. And so uh, I can, I can point donors to other organizations that I, that I believe in or partner with and come alongside because I know that there's going to be enough for them and there's going to be enough for me.
1: That's right. Well, and I think even to a greater extent, then something that we get excited about here at the signatory, you know, we don't just hang our hat on that nice line of saying we're going to solve the world's greatest problems. But we know when we really roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and really try to solve problems, it's going to be a collaborative effort with donors, with um, ministries, with potentially mm-hmm. outside organizations, but certainly not all within the same industry. So um, I think it's important for us to really hold not only our donor base, but our intents and our conversations and our um, you know, missions fairly open handedly, so we can do more together. And that's just part of that, you know, sharing, min- sharing donors, um, it's sharing ideas. Um, mm-hmm. We really just beginning conversations with folks that are doing similar work, or maybe different work, but it intersects in some way. Uh, I think that that's really a healthy place for us to all start looking and begin taking steps toward.
0: Yeah. Well, and and you and I offline talked on another call uh, around this idea of partnership and what it could look like for organizations who are good at uh, something to partner with organizations that are good at something else. uh, And rather than doing that, something else themselves. And what could it look like if organizations would partner together and who are maybe working in the same communities or not working in the same communities. I, you know, there's a lot of variables within that, but that's a really exciting idea. Uh, and you see some organizations doing this already, but um, what could it, what would it look like if, if the church and parachurch across the board, um, instead of trying to compete for donor funds, were are we're partnering together and coming to donor donors and saying, Hey, we're partnering with this organization to do this work in this such and such community. I think that that's a really cool opportunity
1: um, that that I
0: don't think the ministry space has taken advantage of yet.
1: I think you're exactly right. And I also think that, you know, just from a purely um, faith perspective, how much that must bring a smile to God's face. You know, as Mm. as a parent, I know when my kids were younger and they would fight over the same toy versus going in some type of project together though it only happened oftentimes for a short moment, it just made me smile. They're working together toward the same end. And I just can't help but believe that that brings great joy to God's heart to see his people working together, talking together, and working toward a greater end. So I think you're exactly right.
0: That's cool. Now, what are some maybe some tangible ways that ministry leaders can keep donor development uh, a ministry rather than just like a to-do list or or maybe a better way to phrase that question would be to ask how can um how can ministry leaders reshape their mindset around donor development like some tangible ways that they can do that to put in practice.
1: Yeah, I think that's It's a really great question. It's a really hard question because it's a personal answer. Mm. Um, You know, I, this is coming from someone who's a pretty task oriented, check it off the list kind of person. So uh, I think my biggest recommendation would be you just have to do a gut check for yourself. What's my motivation today? How can I make sure that I am keeping the main thing, the main thing, and that that is this role is ministry Um, So it's how do you view your job? How do you view your role? Do you see yourself as a funder? um, Just supplying funds for the work like I used to do? Or do you see this role truly as ministry? Like I get to go interface with people who have resources today and tell them the good work God is doing. I get to um, write this woman's story or this family's story um, you know, if you're more in the marketing communications type role, or perhaps if you're wearing all of these hats, don't lose sight of the privilege of the work that you are truly doing, that you are connecting in one way or another donors' hearts um, and their resources with the work God is doing through your organization. So I think that's the first first thing for me would be just do a gut check, kind of almost um, you know check yourself on all of those things. And then it's a matter of prayer. I mean, one of our regional presidents, he has had over 20 years of major donor development, particularly in capital campaigns. So he's in an environment where he oftentimes would walk in and ask for the largest gift a family had ever given. And he says the most important step he took is he would pray before each donor conversation. Um, Mm. We wanted to make sure that God was a part of the meeting, that God was a part of the conversation, and that he would have the discernment to know when to talk and when to listen, um, and that the Holy Spirit would just be present in all of that work. So uh, sometimes that might sound a little fluffy, um, but I think there's a discipline to this idea of doing that gut check and making sure that you're viewing your role through the right lens and ensuring that you're really prayerful about all of those conversations.
0: Uh, yeah. I'm reading through the God Ask by, uh, I think Steve, Stephen Shadrach maybe, mm-hmm. um, right now. And that's a, that's a big theme of the entire book is that every, every donor interaction or potential donor interaction you, you walk into, there should be, um, prayer that's right. taken place pr- prior to that meeting. And, and even within that meeting, there's, yeah. there's a, Cool space and opportunity back to that ministry, the ministry of donor development prayer within a meeting with a potential donors is, is a really cool opportunity to one, um, build relationship to, to seek the Lord's guidance as a donor and, uh, organization leader relationship. I think there's some cool opportunity to build relationship in that.
1: Absolutely. You know, Zach, this is something we didn't really talk about um, beforehand, but I think is really valuable is for those who are, you know, ministry leaders, perhaps not necessarily in the development space or not making that ask necessarily, there are still a role for everyone in the organization um, in this concept of development and donor development. Um, and I think there are just a couple of tips that I might share with ministry leaders relative to how do you create this culture of development within an organization? And the first one I would say to that ministry leader is you set the tone. This is not just the development officer's job. This is not um, just your marketing and communications uh, department's job to communicate Mm -hmm. the message effectively. You are your chief ambassador for the organization. So ensuring that everybody in the organization, everybody in the ministry understands our donors are important to the work we're doing, not because they help us pay the bills, but because they have partnered with us and they are helping to accomplish the work that we are accomplishing. Um, And I think then that the staff and the volunteers and the board, they each need to know what their role is They need to know um, that they need to be equipped to tell the story, you know, whether it's in the grocery store line or after church on Sunday or sitting on the bleachers at a soccer game. When somebody says, what do you do that they're equipped to say, I work for this ministry and we do this Um, to be equipped with some key pieces, whether it's a story or a statistic, something that they can share with that person they're interacting with. Um, It just helps convey this um, confidence in the organization and the excitement about the mission and the work that's being accomplished. Um, And then I know from my own personal experience, making sure everybody understands that when we interface with donors at no matter what level, whether they're calling because they need to make an adjustment to a monthly gift or they are a first-time donor or they're a major donor, that when I answer the phone or I interface in some way with them, that I am really serving them. I am doing the ministry, even if I am the receptionist at the front desk, that I'm still ministering well to that donor when I interface with them. They are a ministry partner that I um, am thankful and appreciative of the role they play in the organization.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. One of the things, so as a, we're a Reliant Creative is a ministry and the work that we do is is oftentimes in brand development and strategy and website design, that type of stuff, helping organizations right. look the part. And I think there's a a tendency for organizations to look at those things, creating a new brand or creating a really nice website as a way to be more competitive uh within the ministry space. But back to that idea that we're not competing, we're, it's not a sales tactic. It's not uh there's there's not a competition in the ministry space because we're all um have the same purpose and the end goal of the sharing the gospel. Uh, the the reason we do the stuff that we do And and encourage organizations to specifically um, craft messages that are clear and concise and simple, um, is so that their employees, their staff, their volunteers, um, their donors, when they're going out into the community talking about what they do or talking about where they, what organizations they support, um, like you said, they can clearly um, and effectively communicate about that ministry. Uh, without it being super convoluted and, and congested and confusing. I think there's, um, a lot of, um, over, over confusing communication in the ministry space because we want to talk about our strategies and we want to talk about our, uh, statistics and all the things that, um, the minutia of our organizations, um, but the, like, we encourage organizations to have that clarity so that their donors, so that their volunteers, so that their staff can, um, advocate on behalf of that ministry brand. And it, so it's not a, it's not a pursuit in being competitive, uh, within the ministry market, uh, because again, we're all working towards the same goals. It's a, it's a pursuit in how can we make this more effective, uh, communication for the ministry? Um, when they go talk about themselves and when donors go talk about the ministries they support. So um, that's, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. I think that's excellent. I think you're exactly right. Marketing um, whether it's on the website or in other material, social media where we can clarify the message that just equips people to be ambassadors for our brand or ambassadors Mm -hmm. for our ministry. So where we can make it more succinct, I always say, and I, I know this is a more broad saying, but, um, you know, saying less is really saying more because mm-hmm. the more succinct, the more clear your message is, the more people can understand it and engage with you.
0: Yeah. Now, where, where would you encourage ministry leaders when you're talking with ministry executives, where would you encourage that uh, they place their focus in donor development with regards to either major donors or or versus like mass fundraising or fundraising for the masses is there a balance that you encourage uh, or are you guys just only because of the niche with with which w- the signatory falls into are you only ever pushing towards major donor
1: right so that's a great question so the signatory focuses on major donors I and mean, that's the space because typically donor advised funds which is you know the Um, industry that we operate in, donor advised funds have historically been used by high net worth individuals. That is changing some as tax laws adjust. Donor advised funds are actually on a significant um, increase over the last five years. Um, But the fact remains, our expertise lies in major donor conversations and, and and how major donors behave. Now that said, um, I think you can't put all of your eggs in that basket, but if you're choosing where to spend your time, you need to know that that's where your best return on investment of time is going to be. So in major donor Mm -hmm. conversations, um, 88% of giving comes from 12% of the donors. So that is taking that 80, 20 rule and even making it closer to almost a 90, 10 rule, um, so those conversations wow. that you have with major donors are critical. They have the ability to underwrite major projects. They have the ability to do things that nobody else can do. They could be seed money for an initial um, launch of an organization. So there's a lot uh, of capacity and a lot of potential with major donors. That said, major donors, uh, there's, you know, they're not every person that is interested in your cause. So you need to make mm-hmm. sure that you do have. Um, An appeal and a focus on uh, the mass donor or the general donor as well. And so um, I think it's important that we think about maybe two segments of donors, perhaps like your major donors and your general donor, or a major donor and a monthly donor, but making sure that you're keeping that messaging going with your uh, general donors as well. And here's just a really quick tidbit when we talk about those donors. Um, So anybody who doesn't fall under that major donor umbrella, ensure that you are communicating really clearly with them and thanking them. Nearly 70% of all first-time donors to an organ, a nonprofit organization will not give again. 70% will leave the organization after the first gift. Um, And that is, that's the attrition rate for first-time donors. So It's really important when you get donors in the door that you care for them, that you communicate clearly with them, that you thank them. Um, Gratitude is probably the, though I feel like I talk about it a lot, I think it's probably the biggest opportunity for us to grow relative to our communication with donors. We just don't do it well enough. Um, So I think it's important that we communicate the impact, that we thank, that we share stories, and then to be frank, we need to ask again. Um, you know, when we share the problem enough, people, there's a there's some tension in, in sharing the problem, but not asking me to continue to partner. So um, I think there's an opportunity for us to communicate more effectively with that general donor base as well.
0: That's good. <clears throat> now, you, offline, you shared another really great topic, uh, and that was – communicating with a major donor. Can you share where, where you differentiate between a, a donor and a major, a major donor? Like what is, is there a line that you draw or does it kind of depend?
1: Yeah. It, I think the distinction between a donor and a major donor is different for any organization. Um, I would say broadly, probably think about that $10,000 mark, maybe a $25,000 mark. But it can be much smaller. I mean, I know there's probably somebody listening to this podcast who says, gosh, a $1,000 donor is a major donor to me, or a $500 donor is a major donor to me, or perhaps they don't hit my radar until they've you know, given $50,000. That line is different depending on the organization. It depends on the size. Oftentimes, it depends on um, the longevity of that organization may depend on what the organization's needs are. So what my encouragement to any ministry who is really wrestling with, who do I classify as a major donor and who do I classify more as a general donor would be to find where your natural break is list out in your donor database or your, um, CRM system. Where does that natural break occur? Where do I see that I've got, uh, kind of a break in giving. Is it at that $500 level? Is it at the $5,000 level? Determine what seems to be kind of the natural break for your organization and begin treating those above the line, so to speak, as major donors. And that means mm. you know, engaging them on a more personal level and fostering that relationship to see how you might be able to um, continue that support, but also grow it.
0: Yeah. So that that brings me to my next question. Um, what are maybe some of the differences in communication between a donor and a major donor, a general donor and a major donor? Because I think pointing back to that 70% of those that give one time never come back and give again, uh, there is an element within the ministry space to focus all of our time and communication on a major donor and completely neglect the general donor or the mass fundraiser, whatever you want to call it, or however you want to label those two segments. Um, it's it's easy to ignore anybody that doesn't fall into your major donor space. So um, how, do, how do you encourage ministries in, in communicating obviously differently because there's a different level of care for a major donor, but also not neglecting, um, the, the general donor?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I think that's the biggest takeaway is don't neglect the general donor. You don't know where in your general donor list your next major donor lies. So um, just working with major donors over a period of time, I can tell you that there are a lot of major donors or potential major donors to your organization that will give a kind of test gift or an initial gift. And they really want to see how they're going to be treated. So, um, I think that the, the methods we use to communicate with those two groups will be different, but the way we communicate the messaging around it is pretty similar. I think our first thing is to think about donor centric communication. So who's the hero of your story? The hero of the story should be the donor, not the organization. And I don't mean that, um, kind of in a tongue in cheek or yeah, right. Kind of way. Like really just taking the don't, the organization out of the tagline or the email and making it more about the donor. So you helped save 500 babies this year, or you helped feed, you know, 10,000 families. I don't, whatever your cause is, connecting the donor directly to the solution is really important. So donor centric communication that can happen across the table with a major donor or in an email or a social media post. So regardless of who you're talking to, making sure that you're making the donor feel like the hero, they are the ones that are accomplishing this work or making this work possible. So that's the first one. The second one is really just clarity of message. So Zach, I don't know exactly the structure you tell folks to follow. But for us here, the things that we want you to focus on um, are the problem, making sure people, regardless, again, of capacity, as they understand what the problem is that you're facing, what the solution is, how you're solving that problem, and the impact that you're having as you solve that problem and however you do so. Um, and then sharing the need. So this is why we need your partnership. This is why we need you to invest in this because this is the problem and we're having this kind of track record. So we want to do more together. And again, that happens at the major donor level. And it also happens at your monthly donor level. You're trying to engage people to be part of the solution. Um, So just being really clear. um, And to your point earlier, I think sometimes we give too much information we want to read them in on the full story when in reality Mm -hmm. we just need to be really clear about the problem we're solving and the impact we're having and then invite them to be a part of that yeah Um, and then the final thing i would say zach is and this again transcends both um, levels of giving and that is showing gratitude thanking the donors who have partnered with us they need to feel recognized they need to feel appreciated um, whether they're giving ten thousand dollars or ten dollars, they are helping accomplish the work and they need to be recognized for that
0: yeah we it's funny you say that we we follow a, a pretty much the same structure establishing the problem communicating your solution to it and then inviting the donor potential donor into that solution and so yeah. um, but like specifically on our on when we in help organizations develop their Communication strategies for their websites or their marketing purposes. It's it's a first touch point, like homepage of your website. There is the most basic communication of that problem, of the solution, and how the donor can be a part of that. Um, only when the 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 user or the donor, whatever you want to call them, specifically on a website, says that they want inf- more information. And, and are led to another page where there is more information um, and we can go into deeper detail. That's, that's when we provide that deeper detail. If the potential donor says that they want to learn more, if they want to um, seek that additional detail and information, you have it ready. We're just not pushing it, pushing it down their throat that first interaction with an organization. And so um there's a a process that, and a flow of information that we try to help organizations develop within their, specifically their websites. Um, only when the user gives permission for that information are we showing it to them. And so, uh, yeah, that you you guys follow a very similar structure to how we mm-hmm. encourage organizations.
1: Well, now what's important, Zach? Look at that. Yeah, uh,
0: no, look at that. <laughs>
1: uh, and you know, here's the thing. I don't think that's so different than. What what you're talking about on a website, you're really asking, you're waiting for permission to go on to the next step to say more. We need to really apply that in our major donor face-to-face conversation. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we go into a meeting with a major donor with kind of a fire hose of information. And in reality, we need to take a step back. And listen more than we talk, and wait for cues, or in your how you worded it, an invitation to say more. and so I think that there's a lot of cross application in that communication principle, um, no matter who you're talking to.
0: yeah now to to move on a little bit, developing major donors oftentimes comes with you know its own difficulties and challenges. Um, I think major donors at times tend to want to say have more say in the money, how the money is spent. So how do you encourage uh, ministry leaders navigate some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, I think that that it, you bring up a really interesting topic. I don't know that it's really common to have major donors want to speak into how you spend the money, but I do think that they want some accountability in the system. Mm. Um, So I think it's really important to be reporting impact and, Sharing what the money that they've invested in your organization has accomplished. And here's another kicker also telling them when it doesn't work the way you planned. So, honesty, trust, and transparency. That's exactly right. It's so important. I mean, you have a donor that's giving $10,000 for a particular effort and you have promised a particular result and it fell flat and did not accomplish said result. The best thing you can do is go back to that donor and say, this did not work like we anticipated, but this is how we project moving forward, or this is what we learned. Um, so thank you for allowing us that opportunity to really gather more information, and here's how we're going to adjust going forward. So I think that's really important um, as it relates to engaging that that major donor. And you know, to your point about you know maybe they want to have a little bit more say. I think sometimes you can invite. That major donor into a different type of opportunity. Maybe it's sitting on a board, serving on an advisory board. Perhaps you just um, set up a call every so often with them to really engage them on um, giving some advice or, or sharing their experience. You know, oftentimes your major donors are business leaders, perhaps business owners, they're executives, they are professionals. So they have more than just their finances to contribute to an organization. They have a lot of real world experience and knowledge um, and how to run an organization that they can contribute. So I think you have to kind of be the judge of that in that particular relationship um, and know where to put some boundaries up. But I think inviting them into that conversation will further engage them in your ministry and invest them in your cause.
0: Now, Kristen, do you have any resources that you can point to to help guide ministry leaders and ministry executives on, on some of the stuff that we talked about today?
1: That's a great, um, great question. Yes, we do. So we have a few different ways that ministries can get involved in the resources that we provide. The first way is you can go to our website, the signatory.com and go to who we serve, scroll down to ministries. And there is um, a list of resources on our ministries page. We do a webinar quarterly We have a newsletter monthly, and then we have a Facebook page um, just for ministry leaders to really engage them not only with tips and resources and tools, but also in a community with one another so they can share um, victories and defeats and perhaps share ideas on what has been successful in their organizations, especially as it relates to donor development.
0: And then do you have any outside resources that you guys point to that can can have kind of maybe guided how you've structured things and how you guys approach fundraising and donor development?
1: You know, um, there are a variety of resources I can share with folks if they want to engage more. I don't have those listed in a public place where people can just go access them. Though I will tell you, you've maybe prodded me a little bit. That is one of the things I hope to accomplish this year is really provide a platform of folks who we feel like um, are providing good support in areas really outside of our expertise.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to some of that yeah. stuff. Well, Kristen, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can I pray for you in the signatory? I
1: would love it.
0: Father, I just lift up Kristen and her team. I pray that you would um, guide and lead them as they help ministries and donors um, connect and and ultimately use their funds for your kingdom investing in what you're doing. Uh, Father, it's just so cool that you have invited both sides, um, both donors and ministry leaders and ministries to Um, partner in the work that you're doing around the world, Father. You're doing amazing things, and you've invited us into that work. And um, you could have done it on your own, uh, but you've chosen to partner with us in that. And so thank you for inviting us into that. Uh, We love you, and we love that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Um, And I just pray blessings on Kristen and her team and the signatory, uh, that they would be effective in what they do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, Jack. That was great, Kristen.
0: If people want to get a hold of you, how can they do so? Just online, email. What yeah, What's the best way?
1: Want to do is go to the Signatory. It's kind of a tricky name, so let me spell that out for you: um, s i g n a t r y dot com. So the Signatory You can go to the staff page. You'll see my picture, my email. You can just shoot me an email, and I'd love to engage. I love getting to know ministries, seeing how we might be able to partner together and encourage them and their development efforts. So feel free to contact me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen, for being on the show. We appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Zach. Have a good day. You too.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the ministry grow show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store and make sure you subscribe. So you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.